0: Tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men. Machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men
1: welcome everybody this is a room tone the radio show and i'm ruggero your host here we are on 100.5 fm cop radio we're about to talk movies here because we love it let me ask you guys let me ask you how is the day beautiful sunny day here spring is here and it's time to head dive into one of the most interesting personalities of the film community here in vancouver and all over canada she's a the swiss army knife of the film industry in a way and a renaissance woman and so much more so everybody i want all of you to raise your hands for cheryl uphill how are you doing cheryl
2: i'm doing absolutely fabulous and i feel very grateful and honored to be on the show today
1: well thank you for joining us here and uh, you know we're just gonna head that right away let me ask you who are you
2: my goodness. Well, you used the word Swiss army knife. I guess that, <laughs> that really describes me quite nicely. Um, I was called that by my peers uh, because I wear so many hats. Just even in the film industry alone, I started out as, a, as an actor. I went uh, back to school quite late in life and uh, ended up um, going, how the heck am I going to pay for this uh, lovely um, acting habits? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I ended up becoming um, a, a, a location scout of all things because I minored in uh, fine arts in school with photography. And then from lo- from there, I went into location management and uh, now production management of all things Uh, so I've uh, like I said wore many hats in the film industry but also I'm an international yoga therapist and um, been traveling and I teach retreats and workshops and uh, weekly classes so I've got a lot of fun stuff there as well
1: amazing this is really interesting I'm really excited to be sitting here with you today because you know uh, I remember meeting you uh, two years ago uh, when you were teaching at VFS, and you know, and, and it struck me, you know, to see the energy that that you brought into the class, and and how you know, uh, I remember you took us for the activity, you took us all over the place around around the school, uh, connected to location somehow, and then that's when things connected, you know. That's when I said, you know, I feel like Cheryl has something, you know, something special, you know, and that's why I sort of kept reaching out and you know trying to, um, you know, explore what what it means to be part of this film community, and that's what I, I want to ask you right now, you know, what, it, what does it mean to be part of the film community in Vancouver and in Canada?
2: Well, part of the film community to me is reaches beyond even Canada because the film community uh, is an honor for me to be even part of it because I have a voice in my creativity. I'm able to utilize A medium that reaches globally maybe even universally who knows who's out there listening to us Mm -hmm. Um, so to me I look at it as uh, more of a universal perspective of uh, my creativity and being able to have a platform for that so it's it's pretty awesome for sure and
1: so much is is about balance right the mm -hmm. the creative the balance between the creative and the rational right there is so much uh, that has to do with the film industry as well and that's where Uh, you know, uh, your journey, you know, and uh, your exploration of the film industry ranging from being an actress to, you know, working as a production manager to, you know, uh, being an international, you know, recognized and certified yoga therapist. You know, there's so much there, you know. Um, How do you fit it all into the can?
2: (laughs) (laughs) such a good way of saying it. Um, You know, it's like, I think that's probably one of my biggest stumbling blocks is a lot of people go, oh, you're from the Too Much Club. And, you know, like, what don't you do? And I get this a lot right and you know at the end of my life Ruggiero, all i want to do is just lie there on my deathbed maybe there's someone beside me maybe not um but if i can voice it to somebody i'd say you know what i live my life without very few regrets like i grabbed the things i wanted to do in life and i moved forward and i I did it instead of having those regrets i should have coulda woulda i just don't want to be that person so i strive for myself to be in that that vein of thought all the time of moving forward and and reaching for my dreams and my goals and that keeps me alive it keeps me here um and it keeps me getting out of bed every single day
1: (laughs) wonder where do you see yourself in five years what's your dream now
2: in five years I see myself with a master's in adult education um, and probably leadership and coaching uh, that's where I'm, I seem to be moving towards and also reaching out more internationally like being uh, you know uh, with more retreats all over the world uh, volunteering more I love volunteering and giving back to communities all over the world uh, so I see myself definitely planted kind of more outside of Vancouver but getting back to your original question about uh, Vancouver and the community here in, in the film community is uh, we're like a family it's like it's this small family that starts here and then it grows and it grows and it grows and everywhere I go in the world there's all these other families and we have that connection of that creativity
1: of course how did it happen for you stepping into the film industry was it a more of a transition did you just uh, you know it, was it something you wanted to do since the beginning of your life how did it happen for you
2: interesting you ask this. I was going through quite a um, midlife crisis at a younger age. I call it my terrible 20s, <laughs> 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 where I was really not um, my best self. And it's kind of like I did a, a whole um, 360 degree turnaround in, in my life and in my thoughts and be turning from a really negative, um, depressed person to this lively, like, I want to go for something. And so my mom kept this book of, uh, is what do you want to be when you grow up? And every year at kindergarten grade, Grade two, and it goes through every year. And it says on the little thing on there, it says, What do you want to be this year? And when I was in my lowest state, I looked through this book. I was about to throw it out, actually. And I looked through it and I was like, Oh my goodness. Every year it said things like helping people, um, acting, singing, all these creative things. And I realized at like 26, 27 years old, I hadn't lived my creativity. And that's what was really drawing me into this depression so I said okay I'm gonna take the bull by the horns I'm gonna go for this and I moved forward and I started putting in applications for acting schools and I thought okay this is it this is like psychology outside of (laughs) the system of psychology and psychotherapy (laughs) like let's use my acting for self-discovery really really delving into who I was as a person and what made me
1: tick. Wow, isn't that storytelling right there? Holy moly. Well, I can, uh, I'm can. i happy to notice how, you know, you have embraced so many colors out of the color wheel of, of life. And also because you are a singer yourself, you know, and I'll ask you, how did that play a role in life, in living life and in, you know, uh, becoming a teacher, a communicator, expressing what's within?
2: Well, I'll start uh, with the singing. I uh, quit smoking on a television show called um, Kick Butt through the Knowledge Network mm-hmm. uh, many years ago. I applied to this thing, and and they said, yeah, you know, and they followed me around, and it's like, kind of like a docu series uh, on me being a smoker. And there was uh, several other people on the on the show, and I was the only one that quit. And so I won this prizes and stuff along the way. But hmm. the biggest prize that I won out of it, uh, Riguero, was that I one back my voice. I was stuffing my voice with these cigarettes and, and my father died. He was a two pack a day smoker, uh, you know, from heart related illness and smoking and stuff. And I thought to myself, I, this is what I'm going to do. Like a year after his death, I'm like, I'm going to push forward. How can I get my voice out there? And the first thing that came to my mind was musical theater. And so, because I was acting, so I went and did my very first uh, stage play, um, uh, with, uh <laughs> Joseph of the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's always a mouthful, <laughs> And it was is a mind-opening experience to be told that I was a high mezzo soprano and that I should really start to develop it. They said you had to quit smoking first in order to do that. So I did. So that was one of my biggest catalysts for me to move forward and become smoke-free and also become a singer. So I spent uh, approximately eight years uh, in, um, in doing classes and all sorts of different classes, speech-level singing to um, yeah, opera <laughs> to Italian areas, you name it. I did um, a whole, whole bunch of different things and it really pushed me forward as a performer. It, it, it linked my acting because you need the voice for acting. And, I, and that's where my stumbling block was. So I, I started to work both of them synergistically together.
1: Wonderful. Synergy is another key word over here. You know? And, and uh, you know, I, I love to notice how synergy you know, can be all around us. You know? And it is all around us if we tune in, you know? if we really find the right lens to, to sort of connect with it. When was the moment in your life when things started to come together?
2: Um, I'd probably say the moment I walked across the stage for the first time in my life proving to myself that I wasn't dumb when I graduated on the Dean's List in university and each of the... my mom was in the audience crying her head off because she's always told me that I could do it and I never believed it and um, all of the different deans of the departments even though I was graduating from theater I had the art department Dean there I had you know the person that taught me the English they all came and they hugged me, not just shook my hand, but they hugged me on that stage that day. And I'll never forget that feeling of accomplishment and going, I can do this. If I can do this, I can do anything. Like this, this is it. I proved to myself. I won over the, I don't know if we're allowed to swear, but I'll say it. Bitty, <laughs> shitty, bitty committee. Didn't rule the roost anymore. I was starting to actually win on the other side of the the pom pom, Cheryl, like waving those pom-poms saying, go Cheryl, go Cheryl, you can do this. And at that point, I think that was my defining factor, which there's a lot of work after that, obviously. And I mean, it's continual work for the rest of my life, but it never stops and there's never an end destination point. But at that moment, I realized that I was actually living my creativity and I was moving towards in a direction that was gonna be not only helpful to me, but maybe to others to help them heal and move forward in their voice, their power
1: so valuable right there and and, you know I love you know I um, I'm happy to see that there is such uh, connection you know there is such there are these these journeys these stories where people uh, find and achieve their balance and achieve their dreams and really make it happen and so what is your message to the uh, to the filmmakers or to the people out there that are part of the film community or not just to chase their dreams and how that arc takes place
2: at arc is different for every single person and depending on who you are and where you came from. But I think the number one message that I can just give personally from my own life is don't let your past rule who you are now. The past is the past. And I think in yoga, the biggest thing out of 5,000 years of lineage <laughs> mm-hmm. is that I've learned is just being in the moment is where I do best. That's where I can propel myself forward into the future. So if anything, I'd rather live in the future, than live in the past because the past promotes more depression. The future promotes more anxiety and more um, uh, trepidation in what you're doing and uh, restlessness. But when I'm in the moment, it helps me just be okay with where i'm at right there with what i've got and also it helps me be grateful too for what i have and i'm not always wanting for something else outside of what i already have because I'm, i feel so blessed and grateful and amazing that i'm here on this planet at this time
1: absolutely gratefulness is definitely a, a key you know to to so many doors filled with light and you know and, and and positivity and you know um, the balance balance is a key word for this episode i feel you know, balance especially in the film industry you know when the film industry asks so much out of you you know and sometimes you know you 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 ask yourself should i provide should i go for it or not what's that balance how do you strike that balance in that relationship with the film industry
2: are you talking about your like life work balance yeah 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 yeah. Well, geez, you know, I, I think I've discovered that when I went to India, um, exactly, well, I went there for a movie uh, about 15 years ago oh, wow. uh, called Partition, and it was an amazing movie um, with um, Sepia um, Films, and uh, Vic Seren was the director, and it just, it opened my eyes, the moment he said, hey, do you want to go to uh, India for these reshoots, and I was um, production managing the reshoots for them, and... I was like yeah sure and I just had this <laughs> affinity to go there and it opened my eyes in so many ways and I got off the plane Rigero, and I was like I've been here before this is amazing and India is the type of place either you love it or you hate it like there's just no in between ground and I discovered a whole new family a whole new way of living um, just in the you know brief month that I was there and then after that I found myself there uh, about five six years later at an ashram in Rushikesh in in, uh, northern India. It's about 200 um, kilometers outside of Delhi. And I found myself there sitting in meditation, becoming a yoga teacher. And at that moment, I went, Cheryl, this is your balance. Like It wasn't only creativity that you needed in your life, but you need this spirituality. So I connected spirituality with my creativity and then with actually making money. So there was this balance that came into a mind body spirit paradigm I know this sounds kind of you know like cliche of our time you know people talking about mind body spirit paradigm but it at that moment came came really clear for me that that's what I was doing I was connecting these three dots that had been kind of mismatching themselves for a really long time that gave me my balance to come back here to Vancouver and go I'm not gonna let the industry use me and you know manifest disease in my body and get stressed out Um, I'm gonna actually use it for what I need as well, which is my platform for creativity. That was my original reason of going into the industry.
1: So much emotion, you know, when it comes down to balancing all of this. And, you know, and and to contrast that, I sort of want to ask, you know, I want to ask you about your thoughts and your idea around this uh, this one statement, you know, that goes filmmaking is politics, and politics is making films. (laughs) Nah. <laughs> and this feels like, it feels like, uh, you know, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on something like this, especially in, in something that is so dynamic and bold, which is the society in 2019.
2: You know, it's it's interesting, like you say the word politics and I kind of just cringe because it's one of those things I just I do my best to stay away from, but yet we're all involved in it because this is how we run our societies. This is currently our paradigm. This is where we are. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, there's always going to be a degree of hierarchy and a degree of politics and the best person that does the job is the one that actually figures that out,
0: Mm -hmm. right? They're the
2: ones that go, hey, I know how to work with this person or this personality or this thing. We all have our own crap going on in our lives. We've got, we all deal with challenge differently, but on a film set, that's where you really get to know how someone deals with their challenge at their absolute core because that's where you lose your your shit. And you're like <laughs> you know and you're on that set and you're like what is going on that person was so nice and prep <laughs> you know and then all of a sudden you see them in this challenging moment and then there's this total um absolute colliding of these worlds and then i think the biggest thing to bring it back into what i'm working on right now is how to not take things personally and how to make someone else's stuff, not about me. And that's my theme. That's my overall arcing theme of 2019, of my main intention that I've been working towards is how do I not own someone else's behaviors or actions? I'm only responsible for me. That's it.
1: That's uh, another great insight right there. And I want to thank you for sharing that because it feels like so much and so many of the problems that arise on film sets is because people take things personally, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, where, that's where really the balance, again, balance comes back, you know, because it's a fight. It's a dance with the ego, right? With the demons of ego, you know? And you never really know, especially when you're starting out, what are the dynamics on set and, you know, what is really the dynamics of that hierarchy that you talk about. And so I want to ask you if there was a moment in, 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 your, in your days on set where things shifted for you.
2: The biggest shift, I think, was that I realized we we're all there to do the same job. And you'll get a lot of different personalities saying, well, if it weren't for me, this film wouldn't be be being made right now. I'm the one that brought the money. Well, I'm the one that's running set. Well, I'm the one doing this. I'm taking care of safety. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And to me, that's just a whole bunch of different eagles colliding and trying to climb on top to feel like you're the best at what you do. And you're trying to prove yourself to uh, a very um, hard uh, dynamic is the film industry of to feel like you're important and that you're kind of worth something, right? Um, actors seem to get that that accolade, but it takes them a long, long time to get there, right? And you get that lucky break, they say. And then all of a sudden, you get that one film where it's just the perfect thing for you and it's that medium and the directing is great and you all of a sudden, you're like getting an award.
1: <laughs> Does that lucky break actually exist?
2: In my mind, the lucky break for me is... Um, that I just do it at all that I keep going and I don't stop and you asked me earlier what's the number one thing you can say I think if I had to put it into one statement it's like don't quit Don't quit on yourself. Don't quit on what it is that you believe in, whether it be political, whether it be not right or not part of whatever, if it's something you strongly believe in, move towards it, especially if it's a positive action, right? Amazing, wonderful.
1: love the sound of those words. Now let's uh, tap into, you know, your your career as a teacher, you know, as an instructor, you know, uh, it's interesting to me to look into how teachers relate with students, right? and the way teachers uh, come together with students many times, right? And really connect with the classroom and you know, and you've seen so many students come through VFS or any other institution where you've taught, right? Mm -hmm. And so I wanna ask you, what is that element, that formula that creates that connection with the classroom?
2: Well, for me, it's it's a couple different things. A lot of people, especially with adult learners, they come back to school and they think, oh, I, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know this. And there's this fear factor that you don't know enough. Or, uh, you know, I get it sometimes when I'm teaching something new, you know, that I or I'm delivering new material. I'm like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. Oh, my goodness. People are <laughs> going to find out I'm this fake person. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's kind of like this fake it until you make it uh, type attitude that I have to have in order to, to propel myself. Um, through that but my biggest connection to my students is that I have empathy for them and I always tell a little bit of stories about myself no matter it doesn't matter what I'm teaching if I'm teaching yoga if I'm teaching film production or I'm volunteering in, in Bali you know it's like I've got this way of really helping people feel okay with where they're at and I, and I just promote to them hey you don't know what you know until you know it mm. and wisdom is it means different things to different people, depending on where you're from. To me, being wise is is, is really knowing yourself. It's not knowing this universal wisdom, it's, it's, or reading a book, anybody can do that. It's about, can you develop opinion from that? Can you develop critical thinking? And can you also develop emotional intelligence? Can you move it in that direction? And that is what I'm promoting to my adult learners all the time. Doesn't matter what I'm teaching, that's my main underlying theme for me to help them think about these things so that they can develop these opinions because those people that have developed those opinions are the ones that actually make changes in the world that we need Mm -hmm. they're the ones that drive that force or then we're not all like a bunch of cattle with blinders on the sides of our heads going move let's go in (laughs) one
1: direction together right making changes and emotional intelligence you know and that ties up so well with with the direction that you're taking right now with with leadership as well and you know tapping into really the core of human interaction now looking at also your past, you know, as a photographer, you know, and really tapping into all of these creative domains, you know, if you had to choose one, Only one creative domain to pursue for the rest of your life. Which one would that be and why?
2: I could just say it right now. Acting. Absolutely acting. You know, it's like, even though I'm on a break right now, girl, because I went back to school last year and finished off my degree in adult education and, you know, I had to just step away from acting and and it's it's great. That's what I love about it is like I can step away from it and if it's really part of me, I'll wake up and I want to do it even when I'm not doing it. Do you know what I mean? Or I can go see a really good film or go um, help a friend of mine that's in a play and and, and, and look at them and say, hey, good job, and, you know, and be there and support that community. And it's like, I'm part of that community, just like I'm part of that yoga community, right? But if I had to do one way in the film industry, it would definitely be through acting and my voice work and potentially singing, kind of all that in one, one big um, lump. Or, um, you know, of course, on a more global or universal perspective, it would definitely be in yoga because that speaks to um, more people, I think, nowadays on a, on a worldwide basis.
1: Seems like you're really encouraging this uh, duality, right? In having uh, a part of your heart into, you know the aspect of film, you know, in film industry and then the other part of your heart, you know, into yoga, right? And it feels like this duality really helps, uh, you know, people in general to balance their life and move forward. So how can people right now, even struggling with their balance, with with the film industry, with, you know, just with life in general, how can they, let's say, dissect that heart and really understand what is the limit and how do I manage my time to make sure that I can both pursue my passion for film and keep myself afloat with what it means to be me.
2: Ah, oh, I can answer that just so quickly. <laughs> um, take care of number one. There's no one else on this planet that's going to do it better than you. We so often look to the medical community to fix our diseases and illness and our autoimmune disorders. We look to uh, our parents to feed us and do these things. It's like from a very young age, um, blessed to my both my parents, they raised me very independent, and I could, Cook my own meals at a young age, I could. I've always been propelled to learn more about nutrition. And I think that in our current state of affairs, I'm getting a little political here. Um, and our biggest epidemic that we have is our state of how we eat and what we eat. And that to me stems everything else from there. So it's like I got to worry about what I'm putting in my mouth every day. And just as an example, this morning I juiced, I did my 40 minutes of yoga. I feel amazing, uh, you know, and then I'll have, you know, I'll make carbs at lunch and then at dinner I'll have just some, you know, like nutrient dense protein with, um, you know, some vegetables and that to me is the best way to live. I mean, can I do it every day? No. And when I'm in the film industry, is it hard? Absolutely. You've got this lovely thing called craft service where you can just go and they have all these sugary snacks where you're like (laughs) literally there grazing, but they have these sugary snacks to keep you going in lots of caffeinated things and are those things good for us no i think sugar is our number one killer that's our epidemic that's what's causing our diabetes you know one out of three people are gonna have diabetes in their lifetime one out of four is gonna have heart disease like these numbers are huge and i mean you can go online and read the stats they're there so take care of yourself eat right and balance your stress Because find a way to let go of that stress somehow, some way, whatever it is. If you like to run, if you like to play video games aggressively, if you like to go head a bag, whatever it is that lets that stress out, lets that negativity out of you, you're not keeping it in your tissues. You're not swallowing it and needing it because this to me um, is what creates that disease in our body.
1: It's so interesting that you mentioned that because I feel that the impact of diet and the change of the ingredients in food has also impacted, majorly impacted um, acting in general. And, you know, not only on an on a energetic point of view, but even on a visual point of view. You know, and what I mean by that is, I look at the pictures of, for example, people in Italy, right? Uh, Maybe 50, 60, 70 years ago, and the faces, they had a completely different texture, right? And it feels like sugar and all of that has sort of destroyed that depth. That a face and a gaze could have, right? And it's sort of like we're standardizing the visuals of, 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 of actors in, in many ways, right? With mm-hmm. you gotta look like this, or you gotta look like that, or you gotta behave like this, you gotta behave like that, and you know. And that's where I wanna, uh, s- s- you know, touch a, a quick point with you before mm-hmm. we take a little break, on the different prejudice and the different bias that there is about being specifically an actor in the film industry right now.
2: Well, you touch on a, on a point that I, I, I talk about a lot actually in my, my leadership and coaching with, with folks. Um, we're not doing a service to our our, our young folks today um, by having them look to our, these magazines uh, for this is what we're supposed to look like. I mean, it's not the average that looks like that. They they take that to sell products. That's it. That's, that's what advertising does. They take what they think looks good, which is skinny women with... You know, but that's not our reality. Um, Our reality is: Are are you healthy? Are you eating right? Um, Do you look good? I mean, our skin is our largest organ in our body, so that will tell everybody visually how we're actually treating ourselves on so many levels, right? Whether you have a lot of adipose, which is fat, (laughs) we don't call it fat in in the medical world; we call it adipose because it's a little nicer. Um, But we we want to. start to exemplify that there's all sorts of different bodies and shapes and talents out there like i mean uh, look at some of our 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 awesome actresses out there today that are saying screw you i'm gonna stay my weight and i'm gonna make it anyways look at the plus size models that are really making a movement out there these are the women that i actually look up to these are the women that i am like wow if i had a a young child if i had a, a girl that i was raising i would be like telling her look at this this is your example it's not L magazine with some model that has been starving herself and that's completely unhealthy and has no microbiome in her gut because (laughs) she's not eating the right foods. Uh, Do you know what I mean? So it's like to me we're doing a a strong disservice by saying that um, acting or actors should look a certain way um, and that we have to be good-looking or advertisable or we have to be able to sell something. It's like I think the model is changing and I'm hoping that it's gonna change a lot more rapidly.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's, 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 we are really um, on the verge. we got to take a break right now. We're going to take a quick break. And, uh, you know, we're going to play the soundtrack that you chose for us. And this is the soundtrack of The Gladiator. You know, Hans Zimmer and Lisa Gerrard. Uh, this is a masterpiece, really. So uh, enjoy the soundtrack. And then I'm going to ask Cher why she chose this specific soundtrack for today's episode. So, everybody, this is Elysium. Enjoy. A masterpiece right there. Shirley, let me ask you why the soundtrack of The Gladiator?
2: Well, it's kind of like my life. <laughs> <laughs> I learned um, overcoming a lot of different things, a lot of struggles and challenges, not only on a mental level, but a physical level as well, um, that it takes perseverance. It takes, no matter how many times you're knocked down, and no matter how much it looks like the fight has been lost, that i got this like little thing in me called survival and it's in every single human on this planet, whether we recognize it or not, it's there. And we just have to tap into that last little thread and go, oh, I done. I don't want to be here anymore. This sucks. <laughs> and then I just, and there's this glimpse because we all are fighting to survive. This is an eight thing. That's in every human being that we, we will survive. And that's what we do. And, So I'm just finding different ways to survive all the time. And that song speaks to me of a journey of starting at a place with a challenge, moving through it and coming through the other end, hopefully changed. That's what the film industry is. In a nutshell, in every single show you're going to watch, it's about fighting, fleeing, or I can't use the F word probably, but the F word. It's about those things it's about how we actually survive how do we make it through a challenge? How does my hero make it through to the end or do they live or they die right
1: Wow such good energy from Cheryl La here we are talking movies but actually talking about life on Room Tone, the radio show on cop radio 100.5 FM it's a pleasure you know to be joined uh, by Cheryl here and uh, you know we're gonna kick it off with a one minute pitch if you're ready to go here we just give the chance to pitch anything for one minute. And uh, I wanna ask you, are you ready to go? We're gonna just hit the clock if you're ready to go. You ready to make it happen? Okay, here we go. One minute now.
2: Well, my one minute pitch is about doing yoga. Come on, get out there, move your bodies, motion is lotion. (laughs) I have a yoga therapy practice, uh, a private practice out of my home. So um, check me out on my website, www.uphillalltheway.ca. And just seriously, like check it out. Get get some information about how to move your body. Maybe yoga is not for you, but just find out how to move your body. And I'd be happy to help you with that. Even just work it out
1: to see what it is that you want to do wonderful that's uh that's that i that what a genius idea you know for name for the website and <laughs> you know i'm right? i'm going to make sure i put the link of that website in the description of this podcast as okay. well on on our website and you know uh, that's that's it's again it's remarkable you know that you have Half of you pursuing the passion, you know, and, and exploring the film industry, and the other half of you helping people and nurturing people, you know, through yoga. It's, it's really phenomenal, you know. That's and the balance, right? That's the balance. That's it. It's yeah, the yin yeah. and the
2: yang to my life.
1: So much to it, you know. And, and, and now it's time, actually, to step into the Proust questionnaire. Okay. We have a little surprise after the Proust questionnaire because Cheryl came in with, with such good energy and really brought something amazing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to step into it after the Proust questionnaire. We got we get, uh, the chance to talk a little bit more about life and, and, and it's, you know, how life and film industry and everything comes together. And so let me ask you, first question of the Proust questionnaire, we're going to pick five out of the okay. 35 that he wrote. And I want to ask you the first question of the Proust questionnaire. This is perfect for you. What is your current state of mind?
2: Right now, this moment, my current state of mind is, I feel balanced and peaceful, um, moving in a good direction. I feel healthy. I feel amazing, actually. And I feel totally grateful that I'm this healthy and that I've, I've worked hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, it's paying off. I mean, for my age, I'm like moving into a different, a different, uh, a different uh, time gap after 50 here. And I, I feel like I'm just starting my life, like I, that I've got my poop in a group. That's my mm. current status.
1: Wonderful, thank you for that amazing <laughs> answer. They're ready to go, amazing. Wow, well, that leads us to the second question of the Proust questionnaire, and that is which talent would you most like to have?
2: The talent, you know, I'd say that, oh, I want more brains, I wanna be smarter, and I wanna, but you know what? No, like when I first thought of that question, it's that's not it, it's like the best talent I'd like to have is being able to connect more with people on a global basis being able to speak to every religion, every different color and race and person on this planet and, and just combine it to one thing that, that we should live in love and that love will drive us forward and it will make the changes we need to make. I know I sound like a hippie from the 70s. I grew up in the <laughs> 70s, but I'm not quite there. But it, you know, it's like if I could just have the talent like Gandhi, let's say, that could speak about be the change you want to be on the planet. Like, be that change. Do it. And, and, and put love there instead of fear, instead of violence. Just just keep moving forward in love. I want that talent to be able to communicate that to people.
1: Ooh, wonderful. Nice. Beautiful. All right, that takes us to the third question of the proof Questionnaire. It is a little bit more materialistic. What is your most treasured possession?
2: My most treasured possession is my physical body that
1: I live in. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> I've never had that. You know, I've never you know, had that. And, answer. and
2: with that, okay, I'll, one caveat I have this thing called a biomat. And it's made out of amethyst crystals and you lie on this mat. And I'd, I'd have to say if they said, Cheryl, you got to go to Desert Island. You can only take one thing with you and there was power there and I could plug this thing in. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm going to bring my bio mat because it, <laughs> it, it, it's helped me. It's helped me in so many ways, restore, relax, um, help my inflammation, help my pain in my body, not only in on a physical level, but on an emotional level as well. So I guess that would be my most materialistic prize position, but honestly, the, physical body i've been given by universal spirit whatever you want to call it has gifted me this this physical body to live in so i'm doing my best to like really honor that and yeah be the best i can be in that physical
1: body wonderful thank you for sharing that right there that's uh you know pulling a story out of anything here it's wonderful <laughs> i love it sure that's great um i want to ask you i want to go a little bit deeper if you're willing to i, w- I want to ask you this is the fourth question from the Proust questionnaire what is your greatest regret
2: my greatest regret is that I didn't start forgiving at a younger age. I, I didn't know what forgiveness was until I forgave my father for the way we grew up and the illnesses that he had. And I forgave him before he, he died. He was supposed to die. And I, I told him in the hospital that night on the phone like to say the words, I'm sorry, and we can start over again and maybe he'll a little, little longer the doctor said he wasn't going to make it that night and he made it five more years he said he was sorry and why did I wait until I was like you know um, like 25 26 years old to do that you know like I wish I could have had that sooner that revelation of forgiveness will alleviate me from holding on to other people's mistakes
1: wow thank you for opening up and sharing that much yeah. uh, you know it's, it's uh, you know I don't take for granted that you come here and you open up like that, and it's amazing because people can feel for that and they can be inspired, you know, by what you share. And so I thank you for that, just as many other people out there are thanking you right now. So thank you for that. And that leads us to the last question of the Proust questionnaire. This is something I like to ask all the time. What is your idea of perfect happiness?
2: I don't think there is such a thing. (laughs) You know, it was funny. I read that question. I was like, oh, you know, um, perfect happiness to me is being the best person you can be with what is going on in you at that time. Doing the absolute best, Um, you know, so perfect happiness for me right now is, is not taking things personally, is really learning how to love and grow myself without having a lot of outside influences and making that part of my journey, right? Like someone said something mean to me or whatever, they don't like me. And then me going, oh, and sitting at home, sucking my thumb for hours on end, crying, thinking, oh, this sucks. They don't like me, you know? (laughs) And it's like, not everybody's going to like me. So I yeah, I'm just going to keep moving forward with that theme of not taking it personally. Well, of course, I'm, I'm stealing this from Don Miguel Ruiz, Four Agreements. But, um, <laughs> you know, I talk about that book a lot because my acting coach, um, Tom Todoroff, um, of many years drilled it into us. You must know this book. And we had to have it memorized. And, you know, and honestly, it, it helped me really realize within just those those four agreements how I could actually just say, OK, I'm just going to keep going on these, these
1: four things. Wonderful. Wow. And that wraps up the Proust the questionnaire. And, you know, we're uh, just uh, 10 minutes away from wrapping this whole burrito up. So we have a little extra, <laughs> you know, over here. And uh, Cheryl came in today and brought these Bali Blessing cards. And so this is such an amazing opportunity to just uh, head dive right into it and, you know, start a conversation. Let's see what's the energy over here. So um, we're just going to both of us uh, mix, uh, you know, and just... Shake it around a little I'm bit,
2: shaking up the box right now. These cards came from. Um, uh, one just fell out of the box. Okay, that's got to go. be my card. That's I'm your not card. even strength. There you go. Strength just came and it fell literally out of the box, folks. Like this is crazy. Um, yeah, strength. Wow, strength to me means. Oh, just let me put that back in there. You might get the same card. Who I knows? see. I see. Yeah, strength to me means that no matter what through those challenges find that strength find that inner strength just keep going because you're winning no matter what is going on just keep going
1: you know that seems to be a re, uh, you know a reoccurring a uh, theme and message uh, especially through this show you know when it comes down to the film industry and filmmakers mm-hmm. and how persistence plays a role into success you know and and so looking at persistence and how success comes uh, with it in many of the careers of actors or filmmakers out there. I wanna ask you, what is the meaning of success for you?
2: Well, the meaning of success is that I'm still doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Even
2: though like people are like, oh, when are you gonna give up that acting thing? You haven't made it yet. People think making it means I'm accepting an award or I'm in some big film and I'm recognizable all of a sudden. I'm just living my creativity through the means that I feel I need to do it. And to be honest, that that means to me that I'm just by sheer virtue of doing it and going towards my goals and my dreams that to me is that strength that like
1: okay I'm doing it right so wonderful I'm gonna mix it up a little bit over here in the booth and I'm gonna pick one up and let's see what happens okay if you happens. get strength
2: this is like just to. oh wow <laughs> let's see <laughs> trust. Ah, trust. You
1: got trust I got trust interesting well Trust is is uh, definitely one of the most uh, uh, dense topics, you know, because we all learn to trust in different ways and we all have a different rela- relationship with trust, you know. It feels like the hardest thing of all is trusting the universe, you know, and trusting that everything will be fine because indeed it already is. It's just our approach or our uh, attitude to it, towards whatever is, it is out there that sort of creates that friction, you or know. Other people's attitudes that are being forced upon you. Oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah that that's something also that I I tend to notice a lot in in in, in the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Having to adapt a lot to many of the the situations that happen out there. Even just when when it comes down to not only making a movie, but just you know envisioning a movie, putting the pillars down, and then completing the whole thing. You know, it's um. Definitely a lot of trust there. Maybe we, we are a little bit crazy, you know? <laughs> we are a little bit crazy indeed because, you know. Um,
2: and trusting the process. Like trusting that is going to, like, you know, all we need to do is we need to manifest it. We need to want it. We need to know what we want and move towards that thing. And that's, I think, the stumbling block for a lot of people is they just they don't even know what they want. They're kind of like, mm, I don't know if I want this guy in my life or this girl in my life. I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I want this career. But it's actually just getting into the moment, sitting down and just getting really silent, then the answers come. Like when you um, get into your higher self and you actually just take a moment to breathe deep, then the universe will go, hey, they're listening, right? And that silence, and through that silence comes a lot of different words. You just need to listen and trust. Sometimes the biggest and greatest things I've done in my life for Garo, have been when it, I was told in meditation one time, go to Peru. And I'm like, why? I don't understand. Go to Peru. <laughs> and so I call up my travel agent, go to Peru. She's like, for what? I go, I don't know. And I went there and I met the most amazing people. I, I went off and did these meditation things. It was just, it was an incredible journey. And I'm so glad I listened. And that was trusting. And really, really, really trusting on a deep level that it's not going to come in the form of a pamphlet being handed to me by somebody saying, hey, go do this. I actually trusted and list, listened to the inside voice that was connected to spirit, that was connected to the universe. Right? It seems
1: like silence becomes the common thread that connects us all in a way, right? Mm-hmm. We can really see and, and really define, crystallize that bridge that connects us all, you know? Um, the fascinating thing about the film industry here in Vancouver is that it's so intimate. Right. Mm-hmm. And the moment you step in, it's so easy to sort of reconnect with so many other people. And it really becomes a small family, but a, uh, an intimate family. Mm-hmm. And I look at how Vancouver plays a role in Canada and how Canada plays a role in the overall uh, film industry all over the world, you know, especially in comparison to the U.S. So I want to ask you about the role of Canada as, a, as an industry, as a film industry in relation to the whole world. Well,
2: you know, Canada is like, well, Vancouver, just for instance, uh, right here in the lower mainland, we're like the number two um, go-to place for filming and like... All of the states, we're here, this is it. Like people come here all the time. So there's this big connection uh, between United States and, and us, and you know, there's always this battle of who's gonna get the film, Toronto or Vancouver, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, Toronto has way more indigenous uh, shows that, that obviously they've built a little bit more of that Canadian content than we have here. And Vancouver, we're more of a service industry to, uh, you know, the United States, because they come up here, we're making a lot of American content. As you see, there's not a lot of shows about Vancouver or about Canada. Um, because I just feel that there's uh, funding that's lacking for that Um, although there's a lot of filmmakers like yourself that are propelling and moving forward and putting Canada on the map all the time which is absolutely awesome Um, so I just feel that there could be a more of a rise of an independent community that's going to actually put us on the map and even in a different way because right now I feel being part of the community here I'm servicing these television shows from the states and I'm servicing you know although we have this great community of a bunch of crew that work here in Vancouver but we're all kind of doing the same thing with you know so many of us want to build our own shows and do our own things. We have these amazing ideas and I sit down with uh, my friends, my very good uh, close friends in the industry and we talk about, okay, what do we want to do? Let's write a a documentary. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then we got to go make money. And then we go off and work for somebody else. And then that idea gets laid to rest and then we don't write that script and we don't go forward with that. So to me, I think another balance I could work on in this industry is just by connecting my creative endeavors and the things that i'm really passionate about like right now it's about health and education and getting people in the right nutrition and then also um, finding the right people to work with me to maybe do a docuseries on canadian health and where we're at you know what i mean and actually focus on canada instead of the states all the time right
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, again, about shifting attention in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Shifting the attention to what, what is most important and most valuable, you know? And not only on a, on a personal level, of course, on, a, on the level of the community and on the level of Canada, you know, in 2019. I, I see bright future for Canada, for sure. Even if, uh, you know, the country itself, you know, we know the history, we know everything. And I think it's very important to be respectful, right? Over everything that colors the, the flag and, you know, and, and just noticing how Vancouver is really a city of transition. So many people have come to Vancouver to grow with Vancouver and I want to ask you about talking always about balance, about the balance between diversity and integrity for a city like Vancouver.
2: Well, I think that balance really comes with, um, how much we accept our own diversity within ourselves first, before we can ever accept that. Like, uh, an example would be if I really beat myself up all the time and I'm really hard on myself, which I totally was, I had to move away from that and, and did a lot of, um, a lot of inner work around that. Um, but because I beat myself up and because I'm mean to myself, that probably means I'm mean to others too, outside of me. Right. So I had to really strive to meet that balance within myself first so diversity to me means overcoming that diversity within me so that i'm not looking at other people in a diverse way um and then moving what was the other thing diversity in,
1: and integrity and
2: integrity right so integrity to me oh my god don't even get me going on integrity we could be here for another hour <laughs> um but in, integrity to me means um having self-respect Um, that self-respect and moving myself forward in that integrous way of taking care of me, that will show to other people that I have that integrity.
1: Mm -hmm. Integrity, another key word. And, and, you know, uh, sometimes uh, it's a dance again, right? And, you know, going back to the aspect of balance, I feel like, you know, we're talking about two different types of balance. There is a balance that is more static, you know. And it just means, you know, yeah, you can stand on one leg and that's it. That's the balance of your life. But then there is a balance connected to the dance, right? A dance has a balance. There is movement inside that balance. And it feels like life becomes a a dance between chaos and order, Mm -hmm. right? There is this beautiful example when they throw the balls, right? They hook the balls with a a rope Mm -hmm. and they just let them all slide. And then after some time, they all go offset, Right? And it all becomes a chaos. And then you notice after thirty seconds that they all get back into order. You know, and I feel like that's such a beautiful metaphor for life and really goes back and ties the concept of balance, right? Mm -hmm. Balance between chaos and order in your life. And you need the chaos to be able to step into order, you know. And just like the yin and yang that you mentioned earlier, right? There is a dot of, you know, of each of both mm-hmm. in, in both domains, right? Because anything could happen at any time. And, you know, cows could trigger out of order, but at the same time, order could trigger out of cows at any time. Got
2: a quick thing around that. Make it happen. Interesting enough, I found this out when I was doing my yoga therapy training, that they put a bunch of things in a biosphere and they wanted, okay, what if it happens if the atmosphere were to go away on the planet? And so they had all these scientists move into this biosphere and they were like, okay. And they put up everything and everything was doing great. Even the people were doing pretty good that were living in this biosphere, but the trees were dying. And they're like, what's going on? Why are these trees keep dying? And they did everything they could. They like, you know, roped them up. They did. They gave them water, light, everything that they could, and the trees kept dying. And then an arborist came in and said, okay, you dum-dums, you need to have challenge to that tree. It needs wind. It needs the elements from outside. They brought in a wind machine. The trees came back because that's how we develop strength is through that chaos. That's how we actually become into our best person is through that at the time we're going through it i know it sucks and you're like i don't want this to be happening to me like that tree it knows it's like and we are trees we're made of trees we're made of stardust we're made of everything we're all part of one the macrocosm and the microcosm we're all in it together we're breathing the same air I'm probably breathing the same air as as um, as uh, Gandhi and as Buddha at one time mm-hmm. we're all s- sharing the same particles on this planet we're all one
1: what a wonderful way to wrap this episode really uh, thank you so much <laughs> Cheryl for for joining us here at the show and this is actually our 37th episode and it feels like know, it's a hell of a ride and having someone like you come here to share their knowledge their wisdom their their their, their just their feelings. It means a lot, you know, from two years ago and then here we are, you know. I know. It's uh, wonderful. So this being said, you know, we're gonna wrap it all up with again the soundtrack of the gladiator and you know the voice of lisa gerardi it's a perfect representation of shared spirit you know <laughs> that goes out there and inspires and so one
2: more thing make it just happen one more thing uh i got the pleasure of working with um swami yogananda when i lived in india at the ashram and i said to him can you just like tell us in one short statement what i can impart back onto westerners and when i'm teaching yoga and teaching the way of life he said yes you spend one hour a day with your family in silence spend that one hour alone with them in silence no talking at them no telling them what to do and take the garbage out he says you just spend that hour in silence that is the true way of how we connect is through that silence bringing that back to one of your earlier questions in that balance
1: wonderful thank you so much Ariel you know uh, what a pleasure to have you here on Roomtone the radio show this is cop radio 100.5 fm i'm roger your host it was a pleasure i'll catch up with you guys at 11 a.m next thursday to chat a bit, a bit more about film and life
2: thank you for having me
1: bye bye